Ladies and gentlemen, how you doing? There's a guy in here too. What's up? Always surrounded by lovely ladies, you. Good job. Good job. Should we get started? Why not? Why not? Let me share some things that I know with you at this moment. Thing number one. You've been sitting down for most of the day. Thing number two, you just ate. Thing number three, no matter how motivated you are, your body wants a nap right now. So with these facts in mind, I'm going to do my best to make this as interesting and fun as possible. I'm telling you this in advance because this may be a little unorthodox. It may get a little crazy in here, and I just wanted to get your permission. Is it okay for us to get just a little loose? I will not be inappropriate. Well, will not be terribly inappropriate. I will not be crude. I will try not to be offensive, but can we be silly? All right. Because I, too, get bored. If the presenter is bored, oh, Lord. Have you ever been to one of those presentations? I just want to raise my hand and say, can we just agree to go lay down or something? Because this isn't working for anybody right now. All right. Well, my name is Tom Wilbeck. Everyone say, hey, Tom. Hey, Tom. Howdy, howdy. It's so good to see you. We're going to spend the next hour or so discussing a topic that is critical for handling or dealing with any individual, no matter what their age. But we're going to talk specifically about discipline for early childhood. Dun, dun, dun. <sighs> now, I know there's a million right ways to handle discipline for early childhood populations. There's a million right ways. Let's get that on the table to begin with. I will present one way. It doesn't mean it's the only way. And it doesn't mean that your way is wrong. It doesn't mean that at all. I simply would like to present to you an idea that maybe you can weave into the way that you're already disciplining the children that you work with um, to amplify love and amplify learning because I know that's what you want to do, right? And I just want to give you another tool to do that. That's the only reason I'm presenting this. We don't need to debate whether yours is better or this is better. It doesn't matter. I have no ownership in this. This is an idea I would like to present to you today. Is that cool? I say that because in conferences in the past, sometimes... It turns into an arm wrestling match, and I don't know if you can tell, I don't like to arm wrestle. I'm like, okay, no, okay, everything I'm presenting is terrible, and you're exactly right. And then I spend the rest of the time, rest other 45 minutes going, well, I have no credibility anymore. But anyway, so let's just have fun with it. This is wonderful ideas that I think can help you add more love into the discipline process and your center. Yay! You may notice that I'm holding a guitar. And it has nothing to do whatsoever with discipline. Because here's what we're going to talk about. Oops. Here's what we're going to talk about for the next little while. We're going to talk about what our role is in discipline. We're going to talk about why humans act the way humans act. Because there are reasons that we act the way we act. And shaping behavior. We have to shape behavior. I used an analogy in the last presentation I did that dealing with children is a lot like a river. Ever seen a river? It flows. It flows. 
And it's beautiful, isn't it? And you can stand beside a river and look at the river and, and just marvel at the beauty of the water as it goes past. Have you ever stood in a river that has a current? Yeah, when you're ankle deep in the river, you're like, huh, there's a current. When you're knee deep in the current, you're like, oh, that current's pretty strong. When you're waist deep in that river, you're like, oh, I might get pushed down. If you're chest deep in that river, you're going down river. Is that right? I don't know about y'all, but any time that I do anything, it's all in. I'm neck deep, no matter what I do. Is that what you do? When you're, when you're working with kids, do you like, okay, kids, y'all do your thing. No one die. Okay, well, I'll be over here. Is that what you do? That's not what you do. You're in it. You're in it with them. You're down with them. You're neck deep. And when you're neck deep in the river of childhood, you have to flow with them. And this process that we're going to discuss about um, shaping behavior in a positive way has to do with being the banks of the river. Because you don't want to stop the river. It's impossible. You're going to drown. Someone's going to get hurt. You just shape the flow of the river so nobody gets hurt. Minimal injuries. We don't want them to die. No bleeding in your sit. Okay. <laughs> so, with that in mind, please listen to this. There it is. Y'all know this song? Now we're all going to sing this song together in just a minute. Now I ask for you to commit to this song just like you would commit to working with your children. You guys ready to sing with me? Old MacDonald had a farm, E-I-E-I-O. And on this farm he had a cow, E-I-E-I-O. With a moo-moo here and a moo-moo there, here, moo, there, moo, everywhere. Old MacDonald had a farm, E-I-E-I-O. I'll stop there. Brett, thank you very much for singing along. That was really good. That was really good. I did that song right here at the beginning for two reasons. One is I want you to know that I do presentations of what I love, but what I am super passionate about is playing music for your children. For more information on musical programs from Tom's Fun Band, please visit me at tomsfunband.com. <laughs> Business cards up here. Also, if you would like a copy of the presentation, please get a card, email me at info at tomsfunband.com. I will send you this presentation to have and to hold and to share any way you would like. Very good? Okay. That was one reason is I want you to know I love music. But second is when it comes to discipline and behaviors of children, you don't always get what you expect, right? When I first started playing that song, what did you expect? Sweet Home Alabama. Sweet Home Alabama is a wonderful song. It's written by a band um, called Leonard Skinner. Have you ever seen Leonard Skinner? Yes! I, I'm, I'm a fan of sorts of Leonard Skinner, but they do things that puzzle me. When they play guitar in the band Leonard Skinner, they have like three guitar players. And when they play guitar, they don't smile. Is it right? Have you seen? They scowl as though it's a weapon. <laughs> and they play. And then they stand. They do a lot of this. I don't know what that's all about, but they do this a lot. And they have American flags a lot. They do that a lot. 
Okay, that's beautiful. That's wonderful. Why aren't they smiling? Playing guitar is one of the most joyous things I know how to do. Why are they not smiling? But anyway, Sweet Home Alabama has the exact same chord progression as Old McDonald's Farm. And I think that's hilarious. <laughs> because it's a children's song. And here these big, burly, long-haired men who hold guitars like weapons are playing Old McDonald Had a Farm. They just changed the words. Hop. See, thank you for laughing. For See her for references on my sense of humor. <laughs> but when it comes to behavior with children, you may expect something. You have an expectation. You, they give you some feedback. You, ex you think you know what they are thinking. You think you know why they're acting the way they act. And then they do something completely unpredictable. Has that ever happened to you? Yeah. Children are a lot like bottle rockets. They're going to fly. We're just not quite sure where. They're just going to go. And you know what? I want you today, if nothing else, I hope that you can get a little bit of nuggets of wisdom that will help you understand how a child processes information and the goals that drive their behavior. But let's start with you. Every single thing that you do is a lesson to the children you're working with. Is that a true statement? When a child comes into your presence for the very first time, if you don't look at them, they learn something. What do they learn? Maybe that you... Maybe I don't care. Maybe I'm too busy for them. Maybe I'm doing adult stuff and they need to stay away. But if a child comes into your presence and you lower your elevation and make eye contact and say something along the lines of, good morning, it's going to be a great day. What did the child learn? Yeah. I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy to see them. They matter, I heard. So you see how that works? Everything that you do teaches a lesson. So. This is the part I want you to ponder, just for a second. Maybe write it down somewhere if you want. Or maybe just put it in your phone, right on the back of your hand, or just put it in your memory. What is it that you want to teach? When a child leaves your presence, what would you like them to have learned in your presence? Do you want them to learn that they're loved and they matter? Or do you want them to learn that you're the most important person in the room and they are not, so they should shut their little mouth? I don't know. I don't know. What is it? So what is it that you want to teach? <laughs> they can shut their little mouth. Yeah. So I, I like goals. I like goals a lot. You know, if, you, if, you're, if you're shooting for something, you got to write it down and put it there so you know what to aim for, right? That's the reason I have this statement first is because I want you to know what you're shooting for as an educator. If what you want to do is teach a child that they're worthwhile and that they're loved, yes, that's what I want to do, yeah. But on Monday morning, you're telling a child, hey, stop it, sit down. Did you just teach them that they're worthwhile and that they're loved? No, but I need to do... No, you don't need to do that. What you need to do is work towards your goal to teach them what it is that you would like to teach them. 
And so I want you to have your end in mind, have your goal in mind, because 30 years from now, these children are going to come back to you. They're going to run into you in the grocery store or at church, or they're going to come back to your center and say, I remember you. And right now, some of you are thinking, oh, I hope that happens. Others are thinking, I'm still going to be working there in 30 years. <laughs> if you're lucky. If you're, but they'll come back to you and they'll say, I, you always had such a smile. You always made me feel so safe. They'll remember that when they're 30 years old. Is that an accurate statement? Yeah. Exactly. Or they'll remember, you were the mean one. I remember you. You're the one who taught me that we don't talk to Miss Pam until she has coffee. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but they all learn. They're all learning something from you. I just want them to learn what it is that you would like them to learn from you. So figure it out. Figure it out. Make a target for yourself. That's what I'm shooting for. I'm shooting for them to feel loved and feel valuable, whatever it is for you. I want them to feel challenged. I want them to feel capable. Whatever it is for you, you have to have a target if you're going to hit it. Make a target of what it is that you want them to know, and then your actions will either match your goal or go against your goal. And when it goes against your goal, you'll say, whoa, that didn't feel right, and you'll correct your actions and make it match your goal. You with me on this one? Cool. So that's what I want you to do. Get a target. Because whenever you have a feeling or a thought, it teaches something. Have you ever been frustrated in front of a child? I have. And whenever you're frustrated, a child interprets the frustration. Does a child understand the subtleties of you and your life, your challenges, the bills you have to pay? Does, your, does a child understand that? Not even the least bit. What does the child understand? Below the age of four, a child understands themselves, kind of. They don't even really understand that. But they know that they exist, and you're kind of a thing, but you're not really a person. Below the age of four, you don't exist yet, only they do. Sorry, that's why toddlers are jerks. It's true. That's why they're the rudest people on the planet. It's true. That's why they're cute, because God knows we'd kill them otherwise. So... When you feel frustrated, they interpret that internally. They turn it into what, something that means something about them, and they think that they're not good enough for your attention. They're not good enough for whatever. If you're angry, they, they don't feel safe. If you have apathy, like, I don't care what, just, just don't kill each other, all right? I'm just going to stand over here. They don't feel worthy of your attention. Does this shape some children's behavior? If you have these emotions in their presence, I guarantee you it will. I worked for three years as a camp counselor at the Elks Camp, as a camp for uh, um, disabled children. And one week of the summer, I don't know if this was the smartest thing, but we called it ADHD week. Every child that applied to the camp to come that was diagnosed with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder was slated to come during one week. Yeah, and they're all boys. Yeah. So the girl cabin and the boy cabin, no, boy, boy. We had boys. We had a boatload of hyperactive boys for a week in the middle of July up near Gonzales, Texas. I felt some emotions that week in the presence of children. 
I was in charge of, I mean, every day we had roles that would, would uh, rotate. And one, my, one day my role was to distribute food in the cafeteria because the children come in and they sit down. We've learned things that if you allow ADHD boys to stand in line and gather food buffet style and then go to the table, the food doesn't make it to the table. It makes it to the floor, to the ceiling, to the neighbor. It makes it everywhere except for the table. So instead, we have the kids sit, and we bring them the food. Everybody sit. Everybody sit. Come on, everybody sit. And they're like, Mr. Tom, everybody sit. We're like, everybody sit. They're all sitting. Woohoo! And then I pass out the food. Now, one of my other counselor friends was in charge of distributing beverages because if you have a bunch of hyperactive boys and you give them a cup, does the water or the juice or the chocolate milk make it to the table? Oh, not even close. Not even close. So we distribute beverages. Well, that other person wasn't distributing the beverages. She was over there on the, on the, the table where all the other counselors were sitting. You know, on break, they're over there. I'm working. She's supposed to be with me. She's over there just laughing. So I'm they're like, Mr. Tom, can I have, can I have a drink? Okay, I'm going to get you in just a second. I'm going get, to get you in just a second. Why is she still over there? Uh, food, food, <laughs> food, food. Don't hit, don't hit. No hitting, no hitting. Put the knife away, Johnny. And Can I get something? Okay, I'll get with you in just a second. I'm looking over at her. I'm not saying anything, but I'm building an assumption. She doesn't care about these kids. She doesn't care about me. She's over there just laughing. Look at her laughing. Look at her. She's over there laughing. And these kids are thirsty. And I'm over here doing all the work. Have you ever said that statement? I'm doing all the work. And they're over there just... <laughs> I began to become angry. Does it make sense? And I'm not, now, granted, I was mature enough, thank goodness, at the time, that I didn't scream across the cafeteria, hey, get off your butt and come over here and pass out drinks, because that would be bad. So I just kept my mouth shut and became more and more angry until one child sitting close to me says, Mr. Tom, stop. And I was like, what? And he goes, why are you so angry? But I hadn't said a word. I was like, I'm not angry. <laughs> this little 10-year-old boy was like, liar. And that got their attention. She pops up and she goes, oh, I'm supposed to be. And she was so apologetic, she completely forgot, came over, distributed the drinks, and all was right in the world. Just through an assumption of mine, I started to foster an emotion, an emotion that changed the way I was presenting myself, the way I was teaching children. I didn't say anything. I was just in the presence of children, harboring an emotion that wasn't healthy. And the kids all knew, so much so that one of them had asked me, whoa, stop, why are you so angry? So that was very educational for me. Have you ever felt an emotion in front of children? They don't know. They don't know that I'm having a hard time paying that bill. They don't know that my husband is a lazy sack of potatoes. <laughs> I said potatoes. I had to think about it, though. So they can read you. Remember, teach what it is you want to teach. So you've got to be real with yourself. You've got to check yourself. Discipline starts with you. It has nothing to do. Step one has nothing to do with the child. It has everything to do with you. Where are you? Are you ready to be in the presence of children? 
Are you ready? That doesn't mean that you have to have a perfect life at all. It just means that you have to clear your mind, relax, be ready for something awesome. I know yesterday was terrible, but today is going to be great because you're in the presence of children, and isn't that amazing? Because when you're excited, children are like, huh, I'm kind of a big deal. Children feel important when you're excited, right? Whenever you're engaged, you're like, hey, what you doing? This is awesome. Doing a great job. A child feels safe. And if a child feels safe, you can teach them. If a child doesn't feel safe, it doesn't matter how good of a teacher you are. They're not going to learn anything from you. That old saying, safety first. Well, that's kind of the truth. It's the truth. If they don't feel safe and loved, stop. Don't go to the next step because they're not ready to learn if they don't feel safe. So Dr. Rudolf Dreikers, he wrote a book called Children, the Challenge. And I was like, how terrible is that? So I had to read it. And I did, and it was very dry. I'll summarize it for you in the next two slides. And what he's basically saying is, every time you see misbehavior from a child, it's easy to get hung up in the behavior that you see and forget about the reason that the behavior showed up in the first place. Have you ever seen attention-seeking behavior? Dr. Dreiker suggests, and I agree, that attention-seeking isn't a need of a child. This is a symptom of a need not being met. Attention-seeking, we see it all the time, right? Miss, 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 miss. Hang on, I'll be with you in a second. Miss, 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 miss. I'll be with you in a second. Miss, miss, miss. And finally, like, what? Hi. (laughs) Hello, Sebastian. (laughs) Hello. So good to see you. Has that ever happened to you? And you're like, oh, he just needs attention. Dr. Dreiker suggests, no, that's not what he needs. He's using attention-seeking behavior to meet another need. We'll get to that in a second. Power. Mine. Mine, push you over, slap you in the face, take that. Mine, that's power-seeking behavior. Do children do that around you? Yes, sometimes they do, between, especially between the ages of 2 to 27, something like that. <laughs> 2 to 4. 2 to 4 is a hotbed of terrible human behavior. 2 to 4. Three right smack dab in the middle of it. Lord have mercy. God bless the three-year-olds and their caregivers. This is a tornado. Tape the windows because there's nothing you can do about it. Don't stop the river. Flow with the river because the river is going to drive you freaking crazy. (laughs) Power-seeking behavior. They desperately want power at the age of three, and they have no idea how to do it appropriately. So they do it all the wrong ways. Oh, well, we have to roll with it, right? Also, avoidance. Come here, let's learn this. No, let's learn this. I have a dog. I'm glad you have a dog. Let's, we're going to focus on focus, 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 everybody focus. Let's, we're talking about using scissors, cutting paper. I like chocolate. <laughs> Avoidance and revenge. She hit me. So what happens to her? She gets pushed down, hit back, kicked, spit on. 
Revenge, revenge type behavior. Now, children don't understand the complexities of revenge, like, oh, oh, I will make you pay. <laughs> they don't understand that. But they do understand, you took it, uh, pow! Right? You hurt me, I hurt you. That's how that goes, right? So, Dr. Dreiker says, let's not get tied up in this. If all we do is address these things, the behaviors will never go away because these are not human needs. Those are the symptoms of unmet human needs. The goals or need of, a be- of humans are we all have the need to belong. This is why we live in groups. This is why we work in groups. This is why humans are effective team members and sharks are not. Sharks don't have this need. Humans do, right? And when you get ostracized, pushed away, time out, or separated from the group, it goes against our human need to belong, and therefore it is a motivator for us to fly right so we can join back in. Cool? We all have a need to be taught a skill. This isn't just for children. This is for us, too. Have you ever had a job where you felt ill-prepared to do what you needed to do? I have. Did you feel your, like yourself when you didn't know what was going on? No. You couldn't let all of your personality and all your strengths shine because you had no idea what was going on. So everybody needs to know a skill. Everybody needs to be taught a skill. Your little ones especially, and guess what they're not good at? They're not good at picking up new skills. They're not. So you need to practice again and again and again and again. And after you did that again, you know what you should do? probably do it like 18 more times, all right? They need to feel loved. They need to feel valuable and powerful. We need to experiment and explore. Everyone does, not just the little ones, but the little ones, it's obvious. What's this? I don't know. Don't put that in your mouth. What's this? Does this taste? I don't know. Can't touch that. I like you. This is why you don't wear skirts around the little ones. What's that? Oh, you know there. <laughs> Try not to get goosed by a three-year-old at work. And we need to be respected. And finally, of course, we all have physical needs. Like we need to eat, we need to sleep, that kind of stuff. Now, before I go on, right now, I see the physical need of many of you in here to lay down, shut your eyes, and go to sleep. So allow me to share a joke with you. Knock, knock. Who's there? Owls. Owls that's, that's right. <laughs> they do. Right? Wait for it. There it is. There you go. It's like a joke grenade. You throw it. Some people are like, oh, Al's who, I get it. And some people are like, ha, 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 
and I'm so glad it works. My children, I have twins, they're 13 years old. Yes! But I've, I have, I've been very blessed. They are very good kids. I'm looking for wood. There you go. They're very, very good kids. They're awesome. And we, all, we have a great time hanging out. They all have the same seven needs that are written here. The youngest among us have the same seven needs. You all have the same seven needs. Your husbands, boyfriends, significant others, same seven needs. These are needs of every human being. And when we don't have our needs met, we do strange things. Hmm. Have you ever been in a relationship? Please, let's not have open sharing. (laughs) Have you ever been in a relationship where you didn't feel loved? Now, at one point, you did. You felt loved, and it was awesome. The birds were singing, and there was rainbows everywhere you turned. But that loving feeling just went away one day. Did did you ever stay with a relationship? Maybe longer than you should, trying to feel loved again. Maybe. Statistically speaking, yes, most of us have done that. Have you ever done crazy things for love? Yeah. Have you ever done, like, I know, I know, I I hate motorcycles, but he loves them, so I'm going to ride a motorcycle. (laughs) And the whole time you're on the motorcycle going, "Ah!" (laughs) have you ever done something crazy for love? We do strange things for love all the time because it's a need that we have. We all need to feel, we all have to feel love. It's not a want. This is a need. We need to feel loved. And when we do not feel loved, we do things in order to have love happen. We might act in different ways than we should. Who knows? If we ever need to belong but we don't feel as though we belong, we may do things to change our behavior so we can fit in. Because fitting in means belonging. You see this a lot in middle school and early high school. Children will do kind of crazy things. That's where my kids are. They will do crazy things to fit in and to feel as though they belong. And it scares the pants off me. Doesn't it scare you? It's scary, scary. Also, whenever they need to be taught a skill, if they don't feel as though they are equipped to do whatever it is they need to do, they will avoid it. Older kids will avoid homework. Because the reason they brought it home is because they didn't get it done in class. You know why they didn't get it done in class? Because they don't know how to do it. And they're not going to ask. <laughs> why would you ask a teacher? They're not going to ask. <laughs> Same reason why certain kids start to misbehave when you have maybe um, a skill time. Let's do craft. We're at the table. You bring out the glue or the scissors or whatever it is, and we're going to practice the skill at a table, and a certain kid starts to misbehave every ding-dong time. Maybe it's because he needs to be taught this skill again. We've been doing it all year. You sure you don't have it yet, Sebastian? No, he doesn't have it. He needs it one more time or 10 more times or 100 more times. Repeat, repeat, repeat so he can get the skill. If they don't feel equipped with the skill, you're going to see a different behavior. If all the other kids are falling in line and they're doing a skill and someone else is over here catching something on fire, you might want to consider maybe they're the devil or maybe they don't know how to do what it is that the rest of the group is doing. People will act out and seek attention whenever they they don't feel loved. 
if they, if, if they have a need to feel valuable, they don't feel valuable, they will do things to grab value or power from others. Make sense? And they experiment, explore, and let me get to the punchline on this one. The deal is, when you see these things over here, the reason these exist is because a need is not being met. And don't you want to help your children meet their needs? So when little Johnny is, is attention-seeking behavior and he's talk, talk, talking, talk, talk, talking, and knocking stuff over, yes, that is unacceptable behavior. But why is he doing it? Maybe he feels ostracized. Maybe he feels insecure. Or maybe he just needs to experiment and explore at the time. I don't know what it is. You're the expert in that situation. You have to look past the negative behavior and ask yourself why. Because if you know why the behavior exists, you can meet the need, can't you? If you have a child who feels like he doesn't belong in your classroom, what are you going to do to help that child out? Exactly. You're going to get down. You're going to hug him. You're going to get on that level. You're going to comfort the child. You're going to introduce him to the person next to him. And then you're going to use words like, we're going to do something together. And your hand is on the one child who doesn't feel like they belong. Together we can do this. Together we can do this. I like your shoes. Together. I don't know what it is about shoes and kids. You mentioned their shoes and they're like, heck yeah, my shoes. <laughs> Suddenly the child feels like they belong. But isn't it weird how even the most seasoned and wonderful teacher will see a negative behavior, attention seeking, or spilling crayons, or yeah, look at me. <laughs> the kid wants to belong, doesn't feel like they belong. You stop it. Come here. Time out. Do you see how time out is exactly the wrong thing to do in this situation? He needs to belong. And what do we do? We separate him even further. Do you think he's going to sit in time out and behave? No. We're going to see more creative behavior. Yeah. So I'm not saying we should just let them get away with whatever in the name of some protecting their fragile little hearts. No, I'm saying we're going to help them meet their needs. Cool? All right. <laughs> this picture has nothing to do with anything. But isn't it adorable? Do you all have dogs? Oh, I love dogs. Dogs are wonderful. A cat would not allow you to do that. <laughs> no, no. Knock, knock. Who's there? Doris. Doris. The door's locked. That's why I'm knocking. <laughs> not as good as the owl one? No. I shouldn't have started with my best one. The owl's my best one. That's good. That's good. I threw that in. That's like a breath mint. That's like a little, that's a little, little because this is a dry topic, you throw, anyway. We're now going to get into, do we understand the whole need thing? You're going to forget that. I want you to grab a card and let me email it to you. So I want you to print that slide out and stick it somewhere in your classroom. Because you're going to be like, yeah, yeah, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then you're going to get back to your classroom and you're going to see that. Look at him trying to get attention again. <gasps> Attention's not the issue. Look at this. Okay, attention-seeking behavior. He wants to feel belong, or he's avoiding the skill, or maybe he doesn't feel valued in this classroom. Okay, I can make a kid feel valued. 
I can help a kid belong. I can teach a kid a new skill. Now, getting them to cut out the attention-seeking behavior, geez, I wish I knew how to do that. You do know how to do that. Meet their need. And when their need is met, the behavior goes away. When needs are met, humans behave in a predictable fashion. Isn't that true? When you feel calm and all your needs are met and everything is cool, you shine. Your personality, your traits, your gifts, all that comes out. But when something's not met, you can still operate, but you're not at 100%, right? And don't the kids deserve 100% of you? Heck yeah, they do. Heck yeah, they do. God built all of you, so you might as well just allow all of it to shine. Get your own needs met. Help the children meet their own. Here's a way to do it. This is a four or five step. I don't know. We'll find out. This is a multiple step process that we're, I, I challenge you to use when you see misbehavior happening. Allow me to demonstrate how behavior is typically addressed in a classroom Statistically, most of the time. Let's see. What's a common thing that you would see in a classroom or in a center environment? Maybe a three-year-old. There's toys involved. What do three-year-olds do with toys? They, they throw them. Yeah. They throw them. They steal them from each other forcefully. You know, you get the picture. You're like, okay, everybody, it's time to play. Oh, what kind of a mess is this going to be? So... You see this. So let's see. Sebastian grabs the truck, pulls it forcefully from Charlie's hands, and then, have you ever seen a kid who'll forcefully grab something, and then they won't even play with it? They throw it away? (laughs) What? What? Maybe the truck wasn't the issue. Maybe they wanted to feel powerful. They have a need to feel powerful. Can you help them feel powerful in a more appropriate way? Look, come here. Will you help me? Help me with something real quick. Got a box of Kleenex? Worst kid in the room. Hand him the box of Kleenex. I need you to be in charge of the Kleenex. Would you do this for me? Thank you so much. This is a big deal. Now, some of you are thinking, you're going to hand a box of Kleenex to the worst kid in the room? Yeah. What's the worst thing that's going to happen? Will he throw the box of Kleenex? Maybe. Maybe he will. Is he going to pull every single one out? Maybe. Maybe he will. Also, could he walk around to his classmates and offer Kleenexes to every single human in the room? Probably. And then he'll throw and empty the box. But would he feel more, will he feel powerful? Will his need for power be met in an appropriate way? Yeah. Can you buy another box of Kleenex? It's not going to kill you. Come on. It's going to be okay. Get, have one that's partially full. It's almost empty. Give them, give them that one. So what I usually see is grab the toy, pull it away. Teacher says, stop it. Come, come here. Come here. No. Sit. All right. Here, here's, the, here's the toy, Charlie. Does that seem familiar? Now, I'm not saying you guys do this, but would that be completely outside of the realm of possibility? Be real with me because I've been to your centers. <laughs> I stand in the hallway. The reason I use the, word, the name Sebastian in my, my uh, examples all the time, I hear that name a lot. And it's usually attached to a little boy who's got some issues. And so I stand in the hallway, and I hear, I hear singing down there, 
line up, line up, let's all line up. Okay, cool. And then the classroom next to it, okay, sit, sit down. Okay, good job. Sit, 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 <laughs> sit. Then this one over here, I, I hear this one go, no! And I'm like, what's going on in there? Then this, this classroom is over here. I hear, Sebastian, okay, everybody, get, let's, let's go. Let's go. Put your stuff in the cubby. Let's, Sebastian, let's put your stuff in the cubbies and sit down here. Sebastian, in the, in the so, Sebastian. I don't know what this is. Do they teach this? Is there a seminar at this conference? Discipline through enunciation. Well, we've all seen it. I've done it. Have you done it? I confess my sins. It's true. I've done that. I've done that. That doesn't teach Sebastian anything other than, Sebastian, my lungs are larger than yours. I can be louder than you. And my hands, I can put them together more forcefully than you can. If I'm screaming and clapping, you stand no chance. I am the loudest, most forceful thing in this room. You will fear and obey me. Is that really what I want to teach this kid? No. But is this ingrained in my head because that's kind of how it went down for me in school? Yeah, that's how I was taught. I want to break this. Fear is not part of this equation. Step one, bing! Sebastian grabs the toy Pulls it away from Charlie. Incidentally, Charlie's your favorite. Just want to throw that out there. Oh, I'm sorry, you don't have favorites? Never mind. And then Sebastian throws that toy down. Process starts with love. How do I show love to Sebastian? Even though right now I'm a human and I feel threatened, I feel a little angry, because he just, it was Charlie, Charlie, he's never hurt a fly, and Sebastian picked him, little thug, <laughs> instead, what I'm going to do, I'm coming to the situation, I'm not grabbing, I'm not pulling, I am not even touching yet, I'm coming down, now I'm in the situation, this is how you bring love to the situation first. You cannot have influence over a situation until all of you is present. Don't throw your anger ahead and let your anger do the work. Leave your anger out of it. Let's just come down. And this gives you a chance to breathe. <laughs> Not going to kill him today. And now smooth, gentle arms around the situation and say, whoa, or hey, or Let's not. Whatever it is that you want to do. Some word that equals stop. But let's not use, well, you sure, you stop. Whatever. Whatever works for you. But say it in a way that love is what they hear. Can you do that? Thank you. <laughs> Cleo's like, have you met Sebastian? <laughs> I know what I'm telling you is hard. But our construct for discipline usually is... When you choose to do something bad, I need you to know I'm bigger and stronger than you, so you need to shut up and listen to me, and I will correct your behavior, and then we can all be friends. Well, do you see how that's kind of broken? I don't want to scare you into doing the right thing. I want to love you and have you choose the right thing. <laughs> 
cool? Is that a process? Now you're like, these are kids we're talking, to, talking about. And it's true. Do we do pre-literacy work with twos and three-year-olds? They don't read yet. They shouldn't. Don't try to teach them to read yet. But do we do pre-literacy work? This is pre-healthy adult, or healthy human behavior work. We have to start with them early and start showing them love first. And then we have to, and then make them feel safe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I love these pictures. I throw them in here because I'm a, I am fully aware that my voice will put you to sleep. But what is this child thinking at this moment? You have got to be out of your ever-loving mind. If he said those words at this moment, you probably wouldn't be too shocked. Now this child, how old do you think he is? Six, seven months, eight months, nine maybe. He seems to be sitting up, so he's definitely older than six, seven months. Okay, all right. Is an eight, nine, ten-month-old child capable of the complex thought that goes with that face? Uh-uh. Yeah. I'm showing you this because I just asked you to love even the most, even the most trying child. I'm asking you to love them first. Love them first. And sometimes their behavior looks like adult behavior. Sometimes their facial expressions look disrespectful or even threatening to you. But remember, they're children. They are not adults. Oh, but you don't know. You have not met. You have not met Laquan. Woo! That child, that child is so bad. She's the devil. No, that child is a child. That child is a child. The river needs banks. Be the banks for the river. We don't need to stand on the banks and yell at the river, you're bad. You're the devil. That's not going to help the river at all. We just need to guide that river along so no one drowns in the process. This child is not thinking what you think he's thinking. At this age, this child is not capable cognitively of constructing a thought such as, you've got to be kidding me. Though it looks like he said, you want me to do what? He's not thinking that. This child's probably thinking, food. Mama, I pooped on myself. I don't know what he's thinking. So the facial expressions that you get from the children, even when the word, they use the words, and they've got the, the, they got the, mm-hmm, they got all that down. Don't assign adult meaning to children's words. They are children. So with that in mind, is it a little easier sometimes to love them, even though they said a very disrespectful thing? Because when you're trying to teach, do you think a child is trying to be, trying to undermine your authority? Look at her trying to teach. Look at her. She's got her plan. Look at her. She's got her lecture learning uh, little envelope, and she opens it up, and she pulls out all the stuff. She's got laminated. Look at that. Look at her try. Watch what I'm going to do. <laughs> that child is undermining my authority. Does the child know what? the term undermine means, or the constant, no. The child is demonstrating a behavior because of an unmet need. 
and that behavior is not acceptable. We don't need to accept these behaviors, but please remember there's a need driving it. They're not the devil. Love them first, and then we get to step two. We loved them, right? You're with me? Now, step two is validate the need of the child. Now, you can't do this unless you know what the need is. So here's here's what not to do. Whoa, 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 hey, 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 hey. I see you want to be a jerk right now. (laughs) Okay, we didn't validate anything there. Or, whoa, it looks like you really want to beat him up. No, it's, whoa, whoa, you're having a hard time. You really want that. Maybe. Or, it seems as though you're seeking power in this interaction. No, that's not, erase that one. (laughs) (laughs) you really want that. That might be one. Because if you start by loving the child, then telling the child what it is that you believe is going on, you're taking away a need of the child to defend, justify, bargain, talk over you. You know what I mean? Scream. If a child feels listened to and understood, they will learn from you. If a child feels threatened, or marginalized by you, they won't listen to you. Why should they? Right? Cool. So this one is step two. You loved them. Now you got to validate. You are so frustrated right now. Or, wow, you really want to talk right now. You're trying to teach something that kids like, and then my dog, and then, and then he peed, and then, and then dad just turned the cushion on the couch over after he peed on it and said, don't tell mom. <laughs> So, does it make sense? We're not, we haven't even told them no yet. We're already in step two. We haven't mentioned any rules. We haven't told them no. Are you sure this is discipline? Okay. If you understand what's going on and they know you understand, they're not going to resist you. Seek first to understand. If you truly understand what's happening, you can handle the situation. Have you ever gone into a situation thinking you knew what was up and you handled it all wrong because you missed a bit of information at the very, very beginning? I've done this many times where it looks like that child's the aggressor. turns out that child was just reacting to being bullied for the last four hours and I missed it. I walk in when little Johnny punches Susie in the face. Little Johnny, oh my gosh, this is completely unacceptable behavior. Well, Susie's the devil and Susie's been torturing the child for four hours. I want to be saying, but Susie had it coming. I'm just saying. (laughs) I'm not saying she, you know what I'm saying. But seek first to understand, then to be understood, because our step three is now I'm going to ask this child to understand me. I am the teacher. I have a need, and my need is to have some boundaries, or another word, rules. I've got some rules. I've loved you. I've talked to you. We've understood you. Now I need you to understand me. You're not saying these words, but this is the process. And that process looks like toys are not for throwing. Friends are not for hitting. Cups are not for throwing. Poop is not for smearing. (laughs) Luckily, that doesn't happen too much. But have you ever, at the end of a day, thought to myself, I never in a million years thought I was going to say that sentence. 
<laughs> like, don't bite the dog. Is that a thing? I never thought I was going to have to say that, but I, had, I said it today. So it's time to work now. I'm going to avoid behavior. Whoa, 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 you seem, to, you seem to not really want to do this. But you know what? It's time to work now. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It seems like you've got a lot to say. I really love to hear what you have to say, but it's time to be quiet now. Make sense? That's what the three steps looked like in the beginning. So, so far, we've set the tone for them to change the behavior to a healthy behavior because I didn't yell at them or give them anything to resist. There's nothing to resist here because I'm not pushing. Cool? So, now this is tough. This is a hard sell for those of you who deal with children under the age of three. <sighs> Choices. Have you ever given a kid a choice? We can read this book or this book. Yeah. If one of them's brown bear, brown bear, they're going to choose that one. We're going to choose them? Oh, yes, this one again. Wonderful. Uh, as long as you're offering two acceptable choices, let them choose. We can choose to sit in circle time or uh, on the floor, or we can sit in our chairs in circle time. Which do you choose? Why not? Because have you ever set crisscross applesauce? Is that what you call it? Have you set that way on yourself? It hurts, doesn't it? I don't like it at all. Guess who do else doesn't like it? Yeah, the little kids. Maybe offer them a different way to sit. Do you want different behaviors and behavior issues during circle time a problem for you? Let's change the circle. We can sit in chairs. There's no rule against it. What, I got this cool rug. Cool, put the chairs around the rug. <laughs> All right, anyway. So now we've got to offer them some choices. Now, in the beginning, this is going to be like a foreign language to a child, but we're, we're building towards something that can get them where we need them to be. We need them to be responsible for their own behavior. They're not going to be there at two, three, or four years old. They're not yet. But hopefully we can build this bridge that by five, and when they get into kinder and first, they will be responsible for their own actions. It's possible. I've seen it happen. And here's how you do it. We've loved them. We've understood them. We set a boundary. Toys are not for throwing. And now we give them choices. You can choose to give the toy back, or you can choose to have a timeout. Both of these are acceptable choices to me as a teacher. And then you wait. But he, I know, I know, you've, you really wanted that. You can choose to give the toy back, or you can choose a timeout. And then, and then, Mm, looks like you've chosen a timeout. Gently escort towards timeout. Make sense? Or whatever the discipline procedure is at your school. If it's not timeout, maybe it's a trip to Miss Sue's office, or maybe it's the cool-down spot, or maybe whatever it is. Make sure the child is the one choosing. Because if not, how many times have you seen a child, you walk into a room, oh, hey, I just want to let you know. Charlie? Charlie's in timeout? Charlie, what happened? Miss Sue got mad. <laughs> Did any learning happen there? No. The child completely has disconnected his behavior from timeout and put Miss Sue's behavior. That's why I'm in timeout. I'm not in timeout because I hit someone. I'm in timeout because Miss Sue got mad. <laughs> that's, that's failed discipline. Discipline is supposed to teach. We want them to learn. Now you'll know it's working. Whoa, Charlie, why are you in timeout? I made a bad choice and hit a friend. Oh, that's hard sometimes. Well, I still love you, buddy. All right, hang on there. 
I reaffirmed. I loved him. I socialized with him. High five, whatever. He's still in timeout. I don't have to be angry with him because he's in timeout. I'm still going to love him, right? And if he feels love and respect and belonging while he's in timeout, guess what behaviors you won't see while he's in timeout? You're not going to see more creative, negative behavior in timeout. Another thing I would encourage you to do, do you have mirrors in your classrooms? Good. Classrooms are awesome with mirrors. Um, I would encourage you, if you don't, uh, go to Target, buy those $4.99 mirrors because those aren't real glass. I don't know what they're made of, but they can't be real glass if they're only five bucks. They can't be broken. Put them right next to the timeout spot and face the chair into the mirror. I don't want them to go, hey, look at yourself and think about what you've done. <laughs> that's, that's what my mom used to do. You're sitting here until your father comes home. You just think about what you've done. And I would just sit there and go, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but if there's a mirror there, a child starts to put some math together. A child, st- a child starts to say, I feel angry. This is what anger looks like. Or I, I feel sad. Or I feel frustrated. Whatever it is. Or actually, I feel interested in my image in the mirror. And so now we have a kid sitting in timeout going, <laughs> what's the purpose of timeout? Is it to be cruel and unusual? The purpose of timeout is to remove the child from a negative situation so the negative situation stops. A secondary need is the child will learn while in timeout, while separated from the group, he will learn that his behaviors equal a consequence. That's it. It doesn't, I've heard teachers say, oh, I don't want to put Susie in timeout because she, she loves it. So I said, what do you mean she loves it? Well, she just sits there and smiles, and she, it doesn't bother her at all. So, so that only works if they're crying? Yeah. I mean, you really, you know, mmm. I think you missed the point of time out. We don't, we don't want to hurt the child. You don't want them to, no, not time out. Oh! What's wrong with that kid? No, instead, a timeout is just separate so the negative behavior doesn't continue. I need a place to put you so you don't punch him again. And then and also in this situation, I want you to know that your choice has got you there. You can choose to apologize or you can choose time out. Looks like you've chosen to apologize. What? Yay! That was awesome. High fives. Move on. Don't beat a dead horse. Are you with me on this one? That's exactly how it works for eighth graders too. <laughs> <laughs> for um, giving your day to learn more about how important you are, how important you are to the children that you serve, to the families that you serve. Um, You will always have part of a mother's heart because you get to be the first teacher they turn their baby over to, right? That's not fair for the rest of us. You get all the affection and love and the best Christmas gifts, but we are happy to take them at three or four into the Catholic school, and then we turn around and give them away when they're 13 or 14 also. So um, just we work together so many ways to form these children, to shape their behavior, and um, you are Jesus to them. So thank you for doing that. I just wanted to come by and say so. Well, thank you. And, and no Astros, right? Yeah, hey, thank you, ma'am. Let's hear for Catholic. Let's hear for the Catholic schools. Thank you for supporting us. 
Which brings us to the last thing right here. If you don't reward or celebrate something, it's going to go away. Right? If you see a child do something right, and a child like Sebastian, for example, who struggles with lines, he struggles with chairs, he struggles with pretty much everything, and you find yourself constantly correcting Sebastian. Have you ever wondered what that sounds like to him? Whenever you bend over to get into his ear, he knows you're not going to say anything nice. He knows you're about to tell him what he's doing wrong. Is this a wonderful thing for Sebastian, do you think? No. So when Sebastian does the littlest thing right, okay, everybody, let's stand up. It's time for us to go to lunch. Line up. And he stands up and goes, Sebastian, you stood up. Yay! Mm. High fives. And Sebastian's like, uh. Did you? Then he gets in line. You lined up. Look, everybody, he lined up. And the other kids are like, I lined up too. You did too. High fives, everybody. We're celebrating the most mundane things because if all they see from you is don't, stop, everybody stop, be quiet, shh, stop, listen, focus. If that's all they hear from you, they're not going to want to listen to you much anymore. Would you want to listen to someone who only corrected you? No. You have to be their cheerleader also. That's how this whole choice thing works. It looks like you've chosen to get in line. And Charlie, who always lines up, he's like, well, yeah, because that's kind of the rule. But I just want you to know, Charlie, that was your choice. You chose it. Yeah. And the other kid's like, I choose it too. You chose it too. So this is why we amplify choice. We're putting a concept in a child's brain that I can choose. I can choose to do the right thing. Now, in a discipline situation, whoa, hey, stop. It looks like you're very angry. She's not for hitting. We don't hit our friends. You can choose to apologize or you can choose a timeout. Or maybe you don't even want to say that. Whoa, you've chosen to hit. Hitting is not acceptable. It's time for us to go. Looks like you've chosen to hit. It's time for us to go. That make sense? Now, I still love you. I love you to death, and I love you enough to hold you gently, not grab. I love you enough not to yell. I love you enough to get on my knee, even though I'm kind of angry with you right now because you hit somebody, and now there's a mark on her face, and I've got to talk to the parents about that. (laughs) Thanks a lot. (laughs) The kids don't need to know all that, but I'm going to love this kid until those choices start to turn the corner. And when those choices start to turn the corner, I'm going to be the biggest cheerleader he's ever seen. Is that, does this sound reasonable? Because I know what you're doing in your centers mimics this to some degree. I just wanted to spell this out in some simple steps to make this look like something that you can completely do. I hope that's peanut butter. Let's see if we've learned anything. You were at your home, straightening up the living room. Living room faces into the the kitchen. They they kind of share. It's a great room kind of situation. You turn from your straightening activities, and you find your little bundle of joy covered in peanut butter sitting on the floor by the refrigerator. How do you react? Now, if it's, your, if it's your sister's kid, 
you go, oh my gosh. You need to take a lot of pictures. But let's add some things to this. You've got company on the way over. They're going to be here in like 10 minutes. That's why you're straightening the living room. Because, come on, who straightens the living room every day? Anyway, and so they're almost here, and you come around, and there's peanut butter all over the baby and the tile floor right by the refrigerator, and your heart skips a beat because they're going to be here any minute, and it's that friend, you know, that friend who's got like the perfect house, and they're all yam and yam and yam. I love her and all, but... It's easy to have an anger response if you see this. Is this child seeking to meet a need? What need is the child trying to meet? Exploration. Keep life interesting. That's exploration. Uh huh. Is the kid hungry? I thought that too. Look at the kid's mouth. You see the teeth? The teeth is the only thing not covered by peanut butter. I don't think this kid is hungry. Yes, the kid had a need to explore, and he found peanut butter. You left it down there. The kid can't climb on top of the counter. Shame on you. <laughs> so, or blame your husband. It was his fault. So, and then he explored, and he experienced. He met his need. Is this something to punish? Do you punish this kid? No. No. Like, oh, my goodness. You are insane. And then you turn to your husband and punish him because he left the peanut butter on the floor. Why was the peanut butter on the floor to begin with? Who puts peanut butter on the floor? But anyway, what I'm saying is not every misbehavior needs to be punished. Not every misbehavior is, is worthy of a timeout or some sort of discipline um, consequence. Every behavior comes from a need. Sometimes it was their very best effort to meet a need in the best way they knew how. Help them meet the need in a more appropriate way and just love them through it and let's go. We don't need, we don't need choices at, at, at that situation. This kid doesn't need to be told, you can choose to clean up the peanut butter or that's not going to happen. This kid doesn't need to hear about choices. The kid was meeting a need and there's nothing wrong with that. So whenever you see misbehavior, just please know that the child is not trying to be bad. The child is just trying to be a child. And that's not a bad thing, is it? Cool. So I appreciate your time and attention. Our time is almost over. We've got just a little bit of time. But does anyone have any questions or concerns before I ask a couple of questions of you? Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Is a child capable of listening to you when they're throwing a, camp, a tantrum? No. Are they capable? No. They are physically incapable of, in, of accepting any more stimuli. They have reached their maximum, and they're freaking out. Only thing you can do at that point is soothe them until they are in a state that they are physically able to hear your words. Now, I'm not talking about volume. Because you can all, uh, but because uh, because when a kid maybe his crying and his screaming will stop, but his eyes are still wide and his breathing is shallow and his heart's still going. No, it's still not time to talk yet. We still need to soothe and love. That's why the first step is to soothe and love. Because no matter what you say, no matter how good it is, 
it's not going to do anything except maybe even make the child's behavior worse. So when a child shows you that they're overstimulated and they freak out, the brain stem is like, freak out, freak out. And they're like, you have to just be the banks of the river, move the chairs away. If you have a co-teacher, guys, could you go over there with Miss Susie and just rein it in? You don't have to hold them, but just keep them from the sharp objects until they're able to chill. And no more words, no more words. Maybe if you are going to offer words, offer words like, hey, hey, down, down. If you're going to touch, stroke downward on the back. Don't grab, stroke downward, (laughs) soothing, I'm soothing. There's ner- you have nerve centers here in your solar plexus and also all down your spine that when you stroke downward, it calms. When you stroke up, woo, it stimulates. Can't get a teenager out of bed? Stroke up their spine. And they're like, hey, don't touch me. Are you, does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah and, it's, and it's kind of a gray area because you're the expert with that child at that moment. I need you to assess, did I miss my educational opportunity? If they freaked out so much, maybe they soiled themselves. Maybe, the, you know, it happens. Um, and maybe there's all these other things that have happened. You know what? Learning that our friends aren't for hitting, it's kind of, we kind of miss that. Right now, this child doesn't remember, what, doesn't even remember where they are. We just soothe them. Make sure they feel safe and loved. Make sure they're ready to re-enter the, the classroom situation. Because chances are, if they got that stimulated and that overwhelmed, they weren't in control of their faculties when they did show you the negative behavior of hitting or whatever it was that started. You with me on this one? So, but you kind of had to play that one by ear. Did I miss the window of opportunity to teach? If the teaching opportunity is passed, don't try. We missed it. That's cool. We'll get it again, probably in an hour. <laughs> Any other questions before I ask questions of you? Yes, ma'am. Yes. You can choose to come back at 10 p.m. or you can choose to not have the car for a week. None of my friends have a curfew. I know, I know. You're very frustrated. I know it's frustrating, but I have a need. I need you in my house at 10 p.m. That's my need. And I know you're frustrated. I know you have a need to be with your friends. I want you to be with your friends. But you can have the car back by 10 p.m. Or you can choose to not have the car for a week. I'm not mad at you. I'm just letting you know. Yes, but if they say, oh, it's okay. I don't need the car. They're going to have something. Yeah. Hey, is the car back at, the car, they come back at 11. Looks like you've chosen to not have the car for a week. That's cool. I don't need the car for a week. There's no parties until two weeks from now. Okay. Well, um, um, I mean two years. No. Because what we're teaching, we're teaching is I have needs. My needs are called rules or boundaries. Those are my needs. You have needs. You have needs like belonging and all that kind of stuff we talked about. I want you to have your needs met in a way that is within the banks of the river of our family. In our family, we have curfew. That's, that's how it goes. And, and I said, you can't have the car for seven days, or uh, no car for you for a week. And they're like, that's cool. I don't need it for a week anyway. Okay. But did they learn? You made a choice. I fall through. There you go. Cool. 
Anyway, how was school today? Nice. Hey, tomorrow's thinking we can go to Academy and look at those new bows and arrows. <laughs> you see how that works? Because love is the thing. When children feel loved, whether they're your own children or the children in your centers, when they feel loved, their behavior is way easier to shape. When a child feels threatened, you never know what you're going to get. When a child feels scared, you never know. You never know. Um, I work primarily with kids in CPS custody. And so I get kids who are just, when they've been removed from a home that evening, they're put into a CPS worker's car, taken for processing in the middle of Houston. Then literally in the middle of the night, they take them to the shelter where I work. And I, I'm their therapist. And they come in sometimes at midnight, 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. Do you think we see their very best behavior? They don't want to be there. We don't want them to be there. We want them to be at home. I just wish mom wasn't, dad wasn't doing the stuff that they're doing. The kid's here, not because they did something wrong. And they come in and they show us some pretty terrible behavior. And we just love them. (laughs) Anyway, so questions for you. (laughs) Do you have... A disciplinary, um, do you have a child in your center right now that is causing um, consistent problems with classroom disruption? Does anyone have a child? Could you give me, can we work on this just for a second? Can I ask you about it? Um, So what is the child doing that's disrupting class? Right. So it's just hard. Why do you For think every single thing that, that you want to do, no is the first word that comes out of his mouth. Yeah. And I'm, I imagine the word defiant has been passed around your center. It's just so defiant. Tell him blue, he's gonna say green. Tell him black, he'll say white. And okay. So what need is this child trying to meet? Power? Yeah. That's what it sounds like to me. I've never met the child. Is his name Sebastian? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so power. This kid's trying to have power. I don't know what his home is like. This is even like when it's time to go home. It's time to go home. Mom's here. No. Yeah. Like the whole thing. Mm-hmm. This kid, this kid wants some. How old is he? Okay. Now, two-year-olds, two-year-olds are experts on the word no. Because think about it. From zero to 18 months, this child has been carried most places, and, you know, you go to bed when I put you in a bed. You do exactly what I do because I'm bigger than you and I can carry you. And now he's coming to a part of his life where he starts, he's under his own power, and he starts to, you know, like, you know what? No. You've been telling me no my whole freaking life, so how about a little bit of this for you? Now, it's not the thought process, but he's like, no. You know why? Because it works. It causes things to change. But he's seeking power. How do you give a two-year-old power in an appropriate way? Well, you try giving him options. Yeah. Work, no. Anyway. Right. He won't take any of your options. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like the job idea. Now, the teacher in me says, you're going to reward this kid with a special job? Because reward is often associated with these special privileges of you're, you're my helper. He's just not interested. Everything 
Yeah. Like, well, hold this for me. Come stand in front of the line. Anything that you try to engage in, like, no. Right. It's the last thing. What do you want to do? Yeah. Then yeah, but this. Right. Then that's tricky. That's a tricky thing. He needs power in order to feel his needs are being met. But we're, we are the banks of the river. We can't say, you know what, dude? It's Sebastian Day. Go nuts. Whatever you want. We can't do that. And he would be like, you never know what he would do. I don't know. But what I'm just saying is. You're gonna, you're, this process and any process is not going to extinguish all negative behavior. He's showing you he has the need for power. So when he is being defiant and he's just so black and white, I need to look past that and know, I think you are, I need to look past that and know that he's a kid who's trying to meet a need in the best way he knows how. And so even when, I hesitate to say, even when he doesn't deserve it, big hugs and high fives. He got out of the car. He said no clearly. Um, he's standing up straight. He's holding his backpack. Catch him. You've got to get creative. Catch him doing good and have a big parade about how awesome he's doing. And I don't know, because right now there's something that is working for him, for him to say no. He gets a lot of attention for it. And remember, attention is not the need. Maybe his need is belonging and love because he's got all these people really close to him now. I say no, and look how many people show up. This works. No. <laughs> so whatever it is. So I don't know why the kid is doing this. He probably doesn't know why he's doing this. But I do know that every kid has seven basic needs. His needs aren't being met. That's why he's showing you this behavior. And one of those needs is love. And that's something we have in abundance, right? So even when he's on your last nerve, give him more love. This is going to sound weird. Give him more love than you think he deserves. Because we all get more love than we deserve. So shouldn't we spread it around? Just stir it up. Makes sense. And when you're dealing with a kid like that, one thing is you can always think about what we're supposed to do, what we're supposed to do to, for the kid. But remember our very first slide? It's got to start with you because these are hard to deal with. Sometimes you've got to walk away. Sometimes you say, Miss Pam, yes, uh, I'm going to kill him. <laughs> I'm going to kill him. And you got to walk away. And you got to take care of yourself so you can give him the very best you that you can. Yes, ma'am. That is extremely likely. Yeah. Yeah. Most behavior that you see under the age of four is mimicked behavior. And you see the um, temperament of the parents being acted out in the child. Okay, so that's where it came from. But what are we supposed to do with it? <laughs> the process is the same. That's creative. That, that's creative. If, maybe, maybe. I'm just saying, uh, take care of yourself and love that kid. Maybe one day he won't say no. But guys, I really appreciate your time and attention. It's been a long day, and I think you've been a fantastic audience. Thank you very much. I'll see you guys later.